Hello and welcome to the Hotel Marketing Show. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things hotel marketing. We're going to talk about things that are happening in the industry, insights, things that all hotel marketers or anybody that has an interest in hotel marketing wants to know about. My name is Victoria. And I'm Nadine. And we're the hosts of the Hotel Marketing Show. To kick off the podcast today, in this episode, we're going to be talking with Sam, Marketing Manager at 80 Days, about Gen Z and why they should be on your marketing radar for 2023. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sam. It's really nice to e-meet you. I'm super excited to get the conversation going. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what your background is, so we have a little bit of an introduction? Sure. It's great to be here as well. My name is Sam Weston. I'm the marketing manager, as you say, at 80 Days. We're a creative and digital marketing agency that specializes in hospitality but my background has always been really hospitality. I'm a bit of a hotel marketing nerd. I've been in the industry maybe about 15, 16 years now, I think in total. When I started off at Apex Hotels back in the day as their marketing manager. And then since then, I've been in a kind of few different agency roles, but always with, with, a, with hospitality front and foremost. Nice. Very it's like nice. hospitality runs through your blood. Yeah, I, I've left it a couple of times, but I've always returned. Once you, you can't get can't get away from it, I don't think it's, it, well, gets, it sucks you in. So yeah, it sucks you in and won't let you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good, right? Good yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that didn't sound very good, but then I'm glad that you followed up with it in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we need to have like the disclaimer. All of this is positive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great industry to be a part of, even, even during the pandemic and things like that. I think there's, there's been lots of positives and it's nice to see it going in the right direction again. Yep. Nice. That's I awesome. already wanted to say something else because I'm like, I was, it's so refreshing to hear actually that you said that there's quite some positives that came out of the pandemic as well. Because I think all the conversations that we've had in like the previous weeks or months, it was all so much filled with negativity, understandably so, but kind of realized that people were going into this rut of not seeing the things that it brought in like a positive sense. So yeah. nice to hear. It's, I mean, yeah, but you have to have the, the, what is it, the tips to have the, the peaks, right? So I think we're in the, we're on the up now, which is the nice thing. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just been good to, good to start seeing that and start to see some smiles on faces rather than friends. Although we'd still see a lot of friends because people are really busy again now, which is, the kind of only negative of this, right, is that people are starting to get a bit distressed. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah, I think that's definitely like the recurring thing that we're hearing in like lots of different parts of our jobs as well. Like, for example, we're, I'm trying to get like people to join the podcast because obviously we want to talk to hotel marketers and everyone's like, oh, I'd love to, but I'm really busy. So it's like, yeah. I think feeling it like everywhere. It's like, me in 2025. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, pick a, pick a time from my calendar in 2025. Yeah. That's the challenge, I guess, but it's a, it's a good problem to have because it was, yeah, although it was nice to be able to talk to, to our, our clients a lot more during the pandemic because they had more time on their hands. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're not having that time now because they're so busy because they're, you know, enjoying the successes of the you know, resurgence in travel. Yeah, it's very true. And Sam, what was your highlight of 2022? It's a great question. I think there's probably been quite a few really, but the first and foremost kind of main one, and it's a bit cheesy, but it's, it's absolutely true. It's just been actually catching up with familiar faces at, at industry events again and networking events. So independent hotel show in London was a highlight for me this year because it was good to catch up with 
with quite a few different people and, and speak again at an event and and yeah just just see see a lot of different faces that with various different degrees of facial hair and withered and more wrinkles <laughs> and you know just catching up with with people that have endured um, the last two three years so that's a highlight for me and hopefully for them one. as well. <laughs> for everyone listening who met you at the events, we hope they feel the same way about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably get some abuse for that one. <laughs> no, but it's actually, it's so true. It's so nice to have these gatherings again and being able to do things in person again. It's so many, so many times or actually all the time before we took it so much for granted to like, oh, go to events or meet people for a coffee and have a conversation. And then all of that was taken and so quickly and we were also like isolated sitting in front of our screen, talking to the screen that now being able to actually gather with people again is just really, really nice. And now we're still yeah, sitting in front of the screen. I was just, yeah, there is an yeah. Okay, this might but not no, be the best example. It doesn't seem so weird right now that we're doing this. Whereas before, if we did on this in like 2019, we'd have been like, what are we, what are we doing? This yeah. is a yeah. bit weird. But now it's quite normal for us to be like having conversation from three different places in the world chatting about hotel marketing whereas i think that's that's the kind of positive if you like it's normalized things like this and it's made things like flexible working a lot more kind of realistic and, and achievable as well i think it's really nice also what you said with the flexible working i mean again like before you'd never thought that you could imagine you know now i'm going to be home for i think it's almost four weeks but it's it's so nice because you can take the journey and then make it worth it see different people see your friends your family and have more of that flexibility which i think yeah it's a big change definitely our team is made up of i think 14 different native language speakers so we've got a really nice mix of different cultures and different nationalities at 80 days and a lot of the team are going home for christmas but they're going home earlier than they would have normally because yeah. They can work from wherever they are in the world, different time zones, but we can make that work. So it's quite nice for them because they get a bit more time being surrounded by the, by the, the kind of loved ones and their families. And, and yeah, I think some of them are getting fed up being at home already, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> like, part, part of, of the family life. <laughs> you know, the fly back. office, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come, come January, there's, there's going to be like an influx of people into the offices. <laughs> <laughs> when like the office becomes your quiet time but you know I'm also none to complain I mean I live so close by from Amsterdam to Germany it's like just a hop away I mean for Victoria it's even more of an advantage <laughs> yeah. uh, you can't really go for a long weekend to New Zealand no no well, I, I am going to be back there for a month in February and I think the time zone thing is going to be brutal I don't really know how that's going to work yet but that's my that's my problem for later on so Problem for next that out. Yeah, exactly. companies use that to their advantage right so they provide 24-hour service so basically you're just going to provide 24-hour service for hotel champ right yeah for marketing yeah that's crucial that would be great i think we should put that in the idea jar yeah. <laughs> talking about all the changes that we're seeing the positive the negatives today we wanted to take some time to talk about Gen Z. And I think to kind of get that conversation started, could you tell us who are Gen Z? Who is Gen Z? What generation are we looking there at there now? Sure. Yeah. It depends on whether you call them Gen Z or Gen Z as well. Because I mean, I'm, oh, well, I'm, I... I'm in the Z camp, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's potato potato, right? So. Well, it depends what Dick <laughs> is going to call them. What are you calling them? 
Well, I was just thinking, because like, I'd say Gen Z, but then I was thinking about if I was talking about New Zealand in the short form, and then I'd say NZ. So like, don't trust me. I can go, I can go either way. <laughs> let's, let's call them digital natives and then it'll be easier. Digital natives. <laughs> so I guess that's, that's the, the guts of it really. They are, they are digital natives and it's a demographic that's a lot younger than myself. Certainly I'm a, I'm a borderline millennial. I'm clutching onto that with, with all that I can, representing 1982. And they're Gen Z are generally agreed to kind of be those that have been born between 1997 and 2012. So they're somewhere between 10 and 25 years old today. But for our kind of recent research that we've been doing into that demographic, we've not really been looking at the 10-year-olds because not many of them at luxury hotels, although they are playing a bigger part in, in planning their kind of family trips, right? But yeah, Gen Z really is the kind of youngest demographic that we can kind of reasonably assume will book travel and hotels as far as we've, we've been concerned and what we've been looking at. Nice. So it's really interesting. And I think the thing about the age groups is so funny because we have some Gen Zs that are working with us now. And the other day, one of them was like, oh, I don't know if I'm a Gen Z, Gen Z or a millennial. And I was like, you are for sure a Gen Z. Like there is no way you're a millennial. And it's, it's interesting, like especially if you're on like the cusp of, you know, those kind of like the 1997 or whatever. That is like, you can tell by the like certain characteristics whether you fall into the Gen Z or the millennial side of the fence for sure. I, I also feel like it's it just happened so fast that there is a new generation. All of a sudden, you know, you use emojis and you think you totally got that whole emoji game down. Then you realize when talking, then you're doing you're using them wrong. Like now they're using different emojis for like laughing and it just you know it just... God. it's terrifying isn't it yeah i think that's the thing is that it's moving so quick that yeah you, you'll drop a casual reference into a conversation you'd be like oh god i like you know i'll complain about when we used to have to use dial-up internet and there's just a lot of blank faces in the office so i'm terrified about how old i've become quite quickly so yeah yeah and also we had with limewire i think that was also the thing where we said oh limewire and then this person was like oh the scooters and we're like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's a great way to make you feel very old very quickly I've, like yeah. looking into this as well has made me feel very old very quickly but but it's um it's it's yeah Part of part of part of getting old, isn't it? There'll be a gen gen. I don't know what the next gen is. Alpha, I think alpha. alpha yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, gen alpha is influencing the families and that. So yeah. Yeah. So we kind of just like touched on it a little bit, but in terms of Gen Z, like, what do you think are some of the things that separate them from millennials or like other generations? Like, what are some of the defining characteristics of this generation? I think just comes back to that point about their dig their digital natives, really. So. I think their grip on technology, their understanding of the internet, about everything that it's all about and the kind of that connectivity. I mean, I don't think they quite came out of the womb clutching an iPhone, but they weren't far oh, off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, they get their first smartphones at the age of 12, apparently, which compared to millennials and we had ours at um, 19. So by the time they kind of hit 18 and we can start to market them ethically, they're a lot more tech savvy. So they're ready to, ready to go. They're ready to book travel. It's not such a strange concept for them and they're really used to these kind of high-speed connections this instant information this instant gratification and a faster pace as well so i think yeah. that's the main difference i think we also had a conversation with someone a couple of months back where we said that this generation also has probably a lot less patience for waiting around for things not working when it comes to let's say booking travels online finding the way to the booking engine, finding information, if they can bring their pet 
it's like a lot less yeah patience on their side because they're used to this whole high speed fast information getting yeah, totally and i think they're less supposedly the less brand loyal as well right so, so yeah if you've got a really clunky website that's taking ages to load and it's a real pain to book They'll just go to booking.com or Expedia because it's easy there. So I think it's really forcing like hoteliers and, and, and clients that kind of, we work with to up their game if they want to attract this kind of younger market, because yeah, we're impatient. Well, I see yeah. you're impatient. Like I'm trying to ban my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get into impatient. that generation. <laughs> <laughs> They're impatient. In a, and again, in a good way, because like, why shouldn't they be impatient when technologies evolved to this level, we should we should have high expectations and we should be able to deliver on them. I like that point you said with the high expectations. And I think talking about who are they, how are they different from other generations in general, talking about travel, I was reading the report of you guys, the Gen Z report. And then mm. I think there's some amazing statistics in there or numbers. And I saw one, which I was like quite, I'm not sure why I was shocked by it. It's not like I ever really thought about it, but It said that since 2019, Gen Z's contribution to the total transactions of a hotel website has increased by 257%, which is a really, really big number. So could you tell us a little bit more about how does it look like when they travel? Yeah, I mean, exactly that, really. They they accounted for about 5% of all transactions pre-pandemic, so back in 2019, and a lot of, a lot of well, us and our clients kind of looked into as more window shoppers than anything else, really. So everybody, everybody thought, well, we like to look at the nice hotels, but they don't really book them. And now, yeah, 14% of all hotel website traffic is is Gen Z um, in 2022 and round about the same for transactions as well. So it's just grown exponentially in the last two, three years. And I mean, I guess that's comes down to, you know, they're, they're less risk averse maybe when the pandemic was in its kind of height. So they're more happier to kind of risk picking up COVID and, and whatnot when they travel. But yeah, I think they've just, they've just really started to convert at such a high level as well. So we've seen that they're the fastest growing demographic in terms of conversion as well. So if you can get them on your website, if you can get them off TikTok and on your website, then, then there's a good chance that they'll convert compared to say a millennial or a, or a more mature demographic, definitely. I have to say one thing, sorry, Vic, just no, and, I'm, uh, and I'm not going to take away from the point because I know you're going to bring it up later for sure. But that TikTok is actually a search engine now. Like I don't, I don't even have TikTok on my phone. And Vic was telling me earlier that people actually use TikTok to like browse for stuff. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> so I'm actually really excited yeah. when we get there. Yeah, I've, I've uh, got more and more into TikTok over the last three or four years, especially since I've got a four and a half month old baby and TikTok at 4am in the morning when you're trying to settle your, your baby is a, a godsend. It really is. It's, yeah. Yeah. Hours and hours wasted on TikTok. Invested in TikTok. Invested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have this, I don't know. I don't think it's a toxic trait, but anytime somebody says TikTok, I want to do like, I want to floss, like the flossing dance. <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm literally like, it's like this weird impulse and I need to, I need to rein it in. Cause you I'm can, gonna... you can floss, but this is like, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a safe so, space okay. to floss. <laughs> and then I'm like, is that aging me as well? That like, I still do like a floss. Probably it's probably, um, not probably cool that's anymore. what eliminates you from the category of a Gen Z for sure. You know, that you're still talking about flossing. There's probably like 
25 other trans bands, right? That's what you should be doing right now, I think. Oh, true. Yeah. I read that as well. Yeah. Not that I can or have tried or any of the <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, the thing that makes them different, really, going back to the kind of question, but I guess it's just the fact that they are, in, in my mind, they're no longer window shoppers. They've got the disposable income, kind of got that flexibility as well to travel. And they're not just booking the kind of budget hotels and hostels. They're actually booking three, four, five-star hotels as well. So there's a real intent from them now. That's really cool. I also really liked what you said about like the speed at which they purchase. I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch as well if it is kind of related to that always having access to stuff right when they want it. If we notice over time that the behavior of booking, if we see the, because what is it, like the number of touch points in the normal purchasing journey is like, I don't know, huge, if that over time becomes less and less for the different generations as well. I think they're easily influenced, aren't they, by social referral and things like that as well. So I think the more, and kind of the micro influencers seem to be influencing the Gen Z more than ever as well. So. I think that's only going to grow in importance as well, right? So, yeah, that will probably, in my, I would assume that that will probably reduce that number of interactions as well. Because if such and such influencers says it's a great hotel, then why wouldn't I book it straight away? So. Yeah, that's so true. I actually, here's a set I prepared earlier. I've been looking at our trends for 2023. And one of the ones, I mean, it's talking about YouTube now rather than TikTok, but 87% of people agree that YouTube creators give recommendations they can trust. So it's like if a creator is on these platforms is like saying something. I, th I wonder if also the video adds to that level of trust and authority. That video content is what also drives it. But people really like they're looking at what these creators are saying and then like totally trusting their recommendations and as well I think it's super interesting yeah definitely I think as well like what I've been interested in well looking at some of the stats around kind of short form and long form video content and I saw this interesting study from Google that was basically saying that everybody's focused on short form content right short video clips and TikTok and Instagram reels and and rightly so because it's driving huge engagement but actually I think it was around 50 percent 50 to 54 or something like that percent of Gen Zs are actually using the short form video as a kind of appetite wetter to actually go off and find long form video content on YouTube. So it's kind of interesting that like they'll go off and research after they've after they've seen one of these short clips. Mm -hmm. um, I was just trying to think how you would apply that to a hotel environment. I guess if you were talking about your sustainability credentials, you might put together like a nice little short reel just kind of showing some highlights, but have a more in-depth video on your YouTube, which goes yeah. into the kind of full full picture but i think that's so interesting i saw the other day that booking.com one of their marketers was talking about how they're starting to use tiktok and they are using it as like a testing ground for content to see like what sticks and then they will take those insights and then invest more time and resource into content based on what works on tiktok as well so i think yeah it's really interesting like how the different that the short form and the long form or even other types of content will all like kind of, you know, be be related or like kind of yeah. bouncing off each other as well. Yeah, it's it's just painful when you put a uh, photo up on Instagram, man, you get virtually no likes. <laughs> all about the video, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so true. Moving, moving image, definitely. No, it's so true. So how can hotels actually adjust to this generation? Because I think it's also completely different on which terms or how do you even get them to the website once they're on the website what should you look out for when they're at the hotel how is it different what do they expect when they arrive so 
if you have a little input for us there. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess uh, it's really about that kind of product offering as well. So not everybody is going to be suitable for Gen Z and the demographics. Your product might be very focused on a more mature demographic. And obviously that's totally fine because you've got your niche. But I think it's, it's about making sure that you're not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? That you're actually presenting an appropriate option for a younger demographic as well. So I think it comes back to like, in terms of how they, how they adjust and, and, and make it work for them is it's just having a look at their PMS and looking at the data that they've got already to see if they're getting bookings from Gen Z and that younger demographics. And, and if they're not, then, you know, what could they do to, to improve upon that? But yeah, when it comes to like the content and, and the update in the website, once they get them on the hook, then I think it's, it's brevity, it's video, it's, you know, vibrant visuals, impactful imagery, um, all of the buzzwords basically, but, uh, but it's really about focusing on their kind of needs and wants that immediacy of that information. You know, they're going to want high speed Wi-Fi because why wouldn't you these days, these days, you know, and they're going to want certain amenities and want to be close to certain local attractions that are more relevant to them. So highlight that, make that obvious on the site for want of a better expression, make it idiot proof. So that they can get that really quickly and, and make it, I mean, I'm, looking, I'm not calling Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, very good. I uh, feel bad because yeah. I, you guys had prepared your own statistics and I'm just like thieving Victoria's statistics that she shared with me before, but <laughs> team issue. <laughs> yeah, no, before the call, we were also quickly chatting and we were talking about trends and all of these experiences, right? It's now yeah. Gen Z is looking for more of an experience-driven culture as well, where let's say the normal or what was always done a certain way is just no longer, there's no wow effect. And that's something that Gen Z really wants. Yeah. So I think also when you mentioned imagery and making things, you know, really pop out and make sure that the information is there and easy, but also how can you tie in this constant need for the wow effect right how do hotels go about doing that i think it comes back to so a lot of the studies that we've done across all demographics with with hotels we did a study a few few months ago ago kind of maybe coming up to a year ago now when it was looking at the kind of balance of information versus inspiration on a website on a typical hotel website and typically about 70 percent of the of the content on a hotel website is information and actually when we surveyed you know quite a large number of guests they want inspiration. They want the opposite. They want that balance to be reversed. So it's 70, 30 inspiration with all the 30% practical information that you kind of need, the check-in time, the check-out time, the usual, usual stuff. So I think it's really coming down to great copy, great content, being smart with, with your, your, your writing just as much as your, your imagery and your video as well, because you know, the little words, little amount of words that you do have on the page, they have to have real punch so that they kind of get that cut through in a real, really fast time. Because yeah, I don't know the exact stats for Gen Z or, or even for all demographics these days, but usually it's like three seconds you've got, right. That's the, that's the kind of catch. So if you can't catch somebody's attention in three seconds, you know, they'll, they'll browse on. So. It's a little scary hearing all of that because it just makes me feel like that's a society in which I will not thrive because for me also, <laughs> like, I enjoy writing things like super elaborately. Victoria yeah. tells me, try to cut it down, cut it down. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, German, once you have something in English or Vic prepares something or the marketing team in general, and then it's like, goes to the German translations, all of a sudden it becomes like twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Apple school of thought, isn't it? Or the, you know, whoever you admire from a copywriting perspective. So like, I always like how Apple can say, 
two lines of word, two lines of text and two words. You know, they can always just, and you just think, ah, oh, fair play. They've, 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 that's pretty well thought that's out. Really so good. I think, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's teaching us as an industry and not just obviously Apple, but other, other brands as well. Other brands are available. They, you know, they're talking about the different, you know, that we're basically trying to kind of wrap our game to, to be smarter and mm. to attract the, the kind of smarter guests and the, and the time, time sensitive guests. Yeah, I think that attention span thing is super interesting because, again, like coming back to talking about video, like, I think now they say it's like the first, like, especially you think about the way that we like scroll on like TikTok or Reels or whatever. It's like you literally have to like grab the attention in the first like one to two seconds. So it's like you've got to be really good at that first bit of like really yeah. grabbing people and engaging them. Yeah, it's brutal, isn't it? Because you want them to look at the whole thing and you, you, the second clip might be much better than the first clip, in which case... You'd argue, well, why don't you put the first, second clip first? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of painful when, when people just disregard your content so quickly. But I think that's the thing is it's just you've got to get that instant punch and, yep. and grab the attention. Yeah, I think also like you kind of touched on it a little bit as well about like how using the short term video as like a teaser or a taster and then like going into a long form video. Even the other day I was on YouTube. I I tend to use YouTube instead of Netflix these days. I get more enjoyment out of it and have it up on my TV. And literally like every video is like half an hour. Like are you, I could not find a three minute, five minute short little video. And I remember a few years ago, it was like, a 10 minute video felt really long, but now the norm is these 30 minute videos and they have like hundreds of thousands or millions of views. It's just, it's bizarre. It's like a changing, changing media landscape for sure. It's crazy. And the production quality of all of these videos now, because of, you know, smartphone gimbals, because of, you know, relatively inexpensive drones, it's just incredible. And so you have to do something truly special now to stand out because even the kind of amateur creators are creating content that probably 10 years ago would have been, you know, cinema level, not, not quite, yep. but you know, it's, it's, it's evolved to such a level now that you've got 4k footages. If you don't have 4k, then what are you doing? Yeah. 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 My husband and uh, my husband is definitely a millennial in terms of like the year that he was born, but all of his characteristics are much more leaning towards like Gen Z, which is like, I don't know, bizarre, but anyway, he's planning a trip to Vietnam at the moment. And the amount of YouTube videos that he's watched about like this trip, it's like, like literally like it would be 12 plus hours of just like, not all at one go, like spread over time. Whereas like, I'm so much more like a written or photo like researcher. And like now he's going like full video. It's like all like looking on TikTok on like Instagram, YouTube It's just such a different way of like planning a trip than I think we've traditionally you know, like even last year we were talking about like, or maybe it was like 2020, 2020 or 2021, we were talking about like the importance of Pinterest for hotels because people are like searching on Pinterest and like it's very visual and you have this really visual content. But now it's like, okay, yeah, photos are great, but people are really starting to use video or younger generations are really grabbing onto video for that research and inspiration now as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's just interesting how it's both short and long form again, because I mean, I'll, I'll, and, and also like, it's kind of weird what people are searching for as well, because these Gen Zs, they want the good photo opportunities as well. I'm, I'm a kind of keen photographer and, and videographer as well. 
And the amount of searches for good, where, where do I take the best picture in Edinburgh? Or where do I take the best video in Edinburgh? And like this, there's obviously people that have kind of created these video, this, this video content showing like the top 10 locations to get the best Instagrammable, TikTokable, is that a word? And I mean, I, I use it day to day as well. So I'll be like trying to edit something in, in, I don't know, Premiere Pro or something like that. And I wouldn't know how to do a certain thing. And I'll just immediately YouTube it now instead of like actually learning it properly. And there's a video for it. And I, and in, you know, a minute I've learned how to do it. So it's changing the way we consume content and create content as well. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's so awesome. It's, it's a fun, I think as marketers, that video and especially, well, also audio editing, I think are going to be just as important skills as like copywriting or messaging. I think it's going to be, yeah, those will be some really important skills to start uh, dusting up on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible as well. Cause you can do a lot of it on just a smartphone, but, but yeah, I'm trying to be super nerdy and learn and learn a bit more about the kind of full on edit, but. But yeah, it's, I think it's, that's the, the, the adverse I keep seeing on LinkedIn are like, you're not a video editor, you're a marketer. So please use our services. And I was just thinking, well, yeah, but I think most marketers probably have to be, you know, content creator, video yeah. creator now as well. So. Yeah. And you're right. Like you can do so much on your smartphone. There's this free app that I use on my phone sometimes called InShot, I-N-Shot. Oh, yeah. And then it's really, it's actually a really great, like easy video editing tool. And then another one that I really recommend as well is Motionbox. That's on the computer, not on the phone, but so easy for like adding transitions and captions. At Hotel Champ, we also use Canva. So I think there's some really simple yeah, easy to use video tools, especially if you're getting started and are scared to invest too much time into it. Those ones are just so easy, intuitive, like you can really get up and going quite quickly with those. Yeah. And we, we use one called Splice as well, which is quite good on the iPhone and yeah, Premiere Rush as well, which is like the mobile version of Adobe Premiere is pretty good. But yeah, I mean, there's so much stock music and stock. I mean, you don't want to use stock footage really, you want to create your own, right? But yeah. There's so much out there now that, yeah, there's not really much excuse not to be using video in, in 2023. And it's certainly something that, yeah, we should, we should all be using more of. And we, we say a lot to our clients by using more video. So now we're trying to do that ourselves as well. Cause otherwise we can't really, we can't really. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I filmed a little video of myself walking this morning on, and then I put it on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, who am I? But it's like, <laughs> I think also this like thing about not everything has to be super polished and perfect, especially on these channels like TikTok, actually like the more kind of lo-fi, not necessarily like a rough cut, but it doesn't have to be super polished and perfect anymore. Yeah. I like that well, actually that trend also going into like this authenticity more than what it was a couple of months years i'm not sure where everything was so edited i'm sure it still is but still going a little bit back into this authenticity as well i do have a question because now we're talking about in general gen z and how they're the future and all of the things we need to adapt and think about if a hotelier is listening to this right now and thinks oh hui, is this even a segment that i should focus on should everyone focus on the segment is this segment not for everyone and how do i actually know if this is segment wow how many times can i say segment one, one more one more, time. <laughs> one more is this a segment i want to attract segment um i think it comes down to each individual brand really i think it's not going to be suitable for for everyone to target gen z because this i'm not going to name any brands but there's some brands that that we work with, I can imagine it won't, won't be as suitable for because they just attract a naturally more mature demographic and they do very well 
with that as well. So, and some brands have quite, you know, refined offerings to a very specific demographic, whereas others are a bit more vanilla. They're a bit more open to kind of everyone, in which case for them, it's, it's, it's great. And you can't really adjust your, well, you can, but it would be a bit drastic to start adjusting your product offering to attract a Gen Z, you know, to start actually adapting, you know, in-room facilities and things like that. So I think it's really about trying to go back to that kind of BMS data, make sure that you're actually, you know, attracting the right demographics. And, and if it is the right segment to focus on for you, then, then definitely investigate it further and, and like read our, read our report bug. And I'll put it, it in the show notes <laughs> so that it's easy to find. I'll definitely do that. To see, just to see whether it's, it's worth it. Cause obviously like say it, it varies for three star, it varries for four star, it varies for five star. But what I've, what I was kind of surprised by is that across pretty much all demographics, Gen Z are booking and showing interest, even the five-star market, which I thought they would, might, might, might be a bit more price sensitive, but I was kind of surprised that they, they weren't. It tends to be, I think, that the four-star was the, the highest contribution of bookings. Um, so yeah, I've, I've read a lot about how Gen Z are quite happy to find bargain travel. So they'll try and find the discounted travel, discounted flights, discounted trains, you know, but once they get to a destination, they're a bit more, they're kind of happier to invest in some nicer accommodation. So I think that's, that's interesting. So that's what I've found in kind of our research is that, yeah, they're, they're looking for maybe a four-star, um, four-star property, which, yeah, I would have thought they would have been going by how I was at 18. <laughs> but I guess day, yeah. it also makes sense, right? So you try to find good bargains for the actual having to get there, which is not the pleasurable part of it, but then you have... The money saved so you can again we go back to experiences so you can indulge in these experiences go to the restaurants that you want to go to yeah. go to sites that you want to see places you want to sleep so it does make sense but yeah apart from apart from flying business class once which is always on the bucket list right other than that like i mean the travel bit is the kind of boring bit that's the bit yeah. where you stick your headphones in i mean generally some 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 journeys are better than the destinations sometimes but in general, if you're just on a flight and, and you're up in the sky for however long, then when you're sticking your noise cancelling headphones in and watching your iPad, then why would you invest in a fancy seat? I would rather have just the, I'd rather just have the, the cheaper seats. Yeah. And also and you have the short, like the shorter travels where then if you book business class, there's absolutely no benefit besides that no one's going to sit next to you because the middle seat is empty and you get like a bread that you don't have to pay for. So it's not even worth the <laughs> bread. It's not even really worth the, you know. When you do your research, was there any indication like why they are also choosing like the highest uh, rating? Because like my initial assumption would be like our pent up demand after the pandemic is when they started to like get money and that they weren't allowed to do anything. So now they're like going out and experiencing stuff. Is that just my assumption or is there any kind of like. I, I think, I mean, I, I'd only be able to make an assumption on it as well. Cause our, our data really was just looking at the, the booking trends. So the, the kind of after of the, of the booking, not necessarily the before, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can assume that like maybe during the pandemic, they've built up a bit of disposable income. Generally, it seems to be that they get paid more these days. I don't know whether that's just, again, me being elusive today, get paid more, but, uh, <laughs> but they seem to have a bit more disposable income. And I think that there's, the world's a bit more of a more accessible place now than it was 10, 20 years ago as well. So I think, I think they're, they're naturally going to spend more on travel and, and adventuring than they, they ever have before. Very cool. 
Yeah, I think also like there was something that I was reading the other day about, uh, again, it's like another term for digital nomads and they were calling it work from Rome. And it was saying about how like in the future, like Rome is in like roaming, not like Rome is in like the city. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. And what I liked about the phrase like working from Rome is that it, digital nomads to me has that kind of like backpackery vibe mm. of like nomad, I'm always moving around. Whereas like working from Rome kind of gave me a little bit more of like a a sense of like comfort or like luxury at the, like, the same time. So mm-hmm. I think that's also be interesting to see, like, you know, we talked about at the start how much more flexibility a lot of industries have now with working remotely. So like how that impacts even like what ho- kind of hotel product is offered in the future. Because it was talking about like designing or the future of hotel design will be like around this like work from Rome. Whereas before I think it was like you have a bed, maybe a mini bar and a mini fridge in your room. Nespresso machine for needing. Don't get me started. <laughs> but so then, yeah. Definitely going to have to coffee. Definitely gonna have to coffee yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like work from Rome, sorry, work from Rome kind of sounds like to me one of these like Netflix original movies. Oh, there's so many of those, the Christmas movies. Right? Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess it, it makes total sense, right? And a few of the, I've seen a few kind of like brands trying to experiment in that space you saw them during the pandemic as well like citizen m had like a subscription model which was really cool i don't think they still have it but like a netflix model for hotels but but yeah i mean i think that's the thing is more and more people are moving maybe out of the cities and and kind of commuting to their offices for two or three days a week there's going to be more and more demand for these flexible spaces so yeah i mean i think a lot of a lot of brands are going to have to evolve into having these kind of shared spaces these workspaces and also like I hate the term leisure. It's personal hate, personal hate, hate, but leisure travel is going to be increasingly important as well, right? Because I think now more than ever, like you could tag on a, a week because historically I would have tagged on maybe a day to yeah. a trip to have a bit of exploration after I'd done the, the work bit. Whereas now like you could tag on a week and do some more work, a bit more play, you know, you've got it seems to be a much more flexible, flexible kind of approach when you don't have to be back in the bricks and mortar office every every Monday. So I think that's that's good for travel, right? Because that means that people extend their stays, and it means that maybe we need to look at better length of stay special offers and more kind of hybridy type, you know, better Wi-Fi packages and and you know more coffee packages as well. Definitely more coffee, yeah. all the coffee, all the coffee, all the Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's actually quite funny that. A while ago, I think having internet was not really a USP anymore, right? Because it was kind of, you assumed that every hotel has internet. But yeah. now you see it more and more coming back. Like you said, that you have this like free, super fast, well, it doesn't say super fast, but free Wi-Fi or something. Just because people need to make sure that they can actually work when they are going to go there and not just there for a weekend, but actually be able to work from the hotel. So all of a sudden the things that used to be important then weren't that important anymore are just kind of gaining in importance again. Yeah, and I actually, it's really like bad, but I'll, if I'm booking a hotel now, I'll go onto like TripAdvisor and I'll search, I'll filter the reviews by like Wi-Fi, so I can test when they say, oh, we've got really high-speed Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll filter reviews and say, oh, I had real trouble using the Wi-Fi for work. Then next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, have you heard of the new phrase that people are like coining for the business and leisure travel no okay you might hate it more than pleasure it's called mullet travel because oh. it's like 
business in the front and then party in the back. So uh, I think pleasure, I feel like pleasure is nicer than mullet all, travel. All of a sudden, pleasure but... seems like a great, great <laughs> pleasure. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, so good. Nadine, I'm going to hand over to you for your favorite question of the podcast. My favorite question. Yes, it's coming up now. The last question for today is for any hotelier listening to this episode. What are your three kind of takeaways that everyone can get started with right now or should get started in the future? Now, when it comes to the Gen Z, I think really it's just start by doing your research. So take a look at that kind of existing data you might have in your property management system, but also within your social media profiles, because you've got tons of demographic data in there as well. Um, are you getting kind of a lot of interest in bookings from Gen Z already? Or, you know, do you need to do something with train, change something to, to help facilitate that? And if they're looking, but not booking, then, you know, can you make, make changes to your messaging to do, to, to entice them to your property? And that kind of naturally leads on to kind of just adjusting your messaging if it needs to be adjusted and maybe creating kind of specific offers for, for, for them as well. Um, you know, so that you speak to those kind of unique needs and wants that we've maybe been talking about a bit more today as well. Create maybe a special offer for for Gen Z without calling it the Gen Z special offer because that would just be a bit silly. <laughs> so that it's going to resonate really well with them and, and be shared and books and, you know, they're going to tell their friends about it because as we say, like that social referral is really important. And then finally, probably is just be bold, just experiment, you know, take the messaging, take the learnings, put some test budget behind it, run a small campaign, see what results you get and kind of iterate it, yeah. continually refine it, continually improve upon it. That's the beauty of what we're working with in terms of digital marketing, as well as that we can kind of experiment with these things. You don't have to, to sink all of your annual budget in 2023 behind Gen Z, but, but test the waters. Nice. That's awesome. Really great takeaways. Thank you so much for um, joining us today, Sam. And thank you for sharing all of your knowledge on Gen Z and how to reach them, or Gen Z, I should say, yes. Yes. <laughs> and how to reach them. I think it was a really, really interesting discussion and I think a super interesting opportunity and something to keep an eye on over the next few years as well on what happens. No problem at all. Yeah, I hope it was interesting and, and yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. We'll have to circle back in like six months and do another episode and see where we are now if we call it mullet travel mullet 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 mullet, mullet, yeah. mullet travel awesome but thank you for joining us and for those of you listening at home please share your thoughts with us if you think there's anything else that we've missed or if you have any questions about any of the topics that we've covered today please get in touch with us at welcome at hotelchamp.com and make sure to follow Hotel Champ on all of your favorite social media channels stay tuned for more episodes in the future take care of yourself have a great day and bye-bye bye bye, bye. <laughs>